everyone to the black and brown get down this is (laughs) season two episode one we are live from baldwin and company shout out to baldwin and company and our launch party is going to be right across the way at the also black owned um and operated art bar so fuss with us yeah i mean that's what we do we circulate the dollar so yeah, it is a thing. I mean, we've been gone for a little bit. We actually never said the season ended, yeah. uh, but we sort of just stopped. I can't remember mm-hmm. why. I think uh, campaign campaign season. season yeah, sure. campaign season started mm-hmm. and it whooped my ass. And so, uh, but What's we came standard? away two wins later mm-hmm. uh, with a uh, progressive strong DA mm-hmm. and uh, congressman elect. Um, so yeah, we popping shit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, hey. I called, I called Joe, Joe, I called you, I think it was like Saturday or something. Saturday, yeah. And I was just like, man, I am in a funk. And the only way that I know how to move that type of energy through my body is to really think about it as like, I am consuming too much shit. And I actually was created to be a creator, creator. and to co-create with God mm-hmm. and to co-create with God's people. So here we are here a we couple are. of days later. Joe flew in. How was your flight? Oh, my flight was cool. It was cool, you know. We had you on that good uh, spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do that one. Southwest. Southwest. But um, yeah, you know, it's 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 truly been a blessing. I haven't been in New Orleans for what, two about two years now. So definitely loving the people. Feels really good to be back out here. Um, Mary introducing people. Um, they're just like, oh, that's Joe from the podcast. Oh, okay, that's what's up. What's yeah, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in this thing. What so, up, yeah. Frisco? Yeah, for that sure. That four one five is in the house. Yep. And you okay. came on five hundred four day. I did come on five hundred four day. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to New Orleans. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Right. So yeah, we're gonna have like. A launch party. I mean, yes. we really came up. Season yeah, two, somebody must have dropped some coins. Uh, coins. Or the, the listeners. Lord has been blessing us. Right. Um, <laughs> the ancestors just made it rain right quick. Right. For uh, we have a dope show planned today. We're actually, our putting you on segment is going to, it's probably going to be one of my favorites, actually. Um, and, yeah, yeah. Let's get started. Let's get it. So, here's what I, I want to talk about on putting you on is, um, yo, Joe Budden, I, first of all, I don't fuck with Joe Budden. I think he's toxic. <laughs> I think um, I think he's, yeah, I'm not here for it. But it's one of, um, uh, can we say conflict resolution in public? I want to give two examples today, starting with Joe Budden. Uh, hearing the episode, and if y'all don't listen to Joe Budden like me, don't listen to it ever, please. But um, But listen to the one episode where... Him and Rory and whoever the hell, Parks, whoever else is on that show. Uh, I guess I should mention the black dude. What's the name? Maul. Yeah, they have this conflict resolution in public. I've actually never heard it for men, right? Mm -hmm. So you have podcasts like I Am Athlete who are going to try, who are trying to like bring this kind of, ooh, uh, the toxic masculinity piece down and Mm -hmm. trying to bring in sort of the vulnerability of black men specifically into the forefront. Uh, but then, you know, to be able to see uh, Joe Budden and the podcast was done, like they were off for, you know, I think like six weeks or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And then to come back and to demonstrate that you can have this conflict resolution in front of One the another. world. Yeah. yeah. And on the Yeah. Over the world. Yeah. Sure. Yo, I'm here for it. Uh, and I mean, these are people with deep friendships, but who really had um, like beef. Mm-hmm. And so to see that and to see that in public, and obviously it was like individual to individual harm, but it really, you know, messed with their business and messed with their money. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's pretty dope that um, the world got to see, like you said, men dealing with conflict resolution. Um, that's something that we are always kind of taught. You know, you 
just take the L. Don't really speak on it. But then, as you see, time and time again, people start getting flustered. And what happens when you start getting flustered? Y'all start swinging. So it was it was pretty cool to to hear them go through you know the 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 conversation and just try to hash it out for everyone to hear. So I think it's a really great example. Even though I don't listen to the podcast for real, I don't really rock with Joe Button either. But you know, more power to them. So yeah, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I just felt um, again, Joe Button. Uh, didn't say much during the mm. process, which I mean, I thought it was dope. Maybe he was stepping back. I'm gonna, you know, yeah, um, yeah. give him the benefit of the, the doubt, of the doubt yeah. right? Um, and maybe uh, he was like giving space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with he his didn't big say personality. Shit, first yeah. of all, <laughs> and the first thing, like when he came back, I can't even remember what he said, but it was trash. Whatever he said when he first came back was yeah. just like. Um, trying yeah. to correct somebody, bro. You don't run this. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it says the Joe Budden podcast, but just understanding that there is so much more to the one person who has to, uh, whose name is on the thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have really respect everybody else for just saying like, man, we're not supposed to treat each other like this. Right. Yeah, we're not supposed to like. You have to actually consider other people like if you're gonna kick him off the show you need to ask me first Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. need to make that decision Mm -hmm. collective decision making if we all in this then let's all be in this Mm -hmm. and so i learned so much about it shout out to everybody on the show because i just think you know i'm here for it i think the more that we can find ways and examples of conflict resolution that's Mm -hmm. happening in real time and in public the better because you know at the end of the day Black and brown people, we have had the most violence, whether that be state violence or violence that we've learned and that we are sort of working through in community, in neighborhoods, you know, with your neighbor, whatever. Uh, And we have to find more ways to actually um, resolve the shit, you know, and that's a real skill. And so I'm here for it. Yeah, for sure. Now to another conflict resolution example that also happened in public. (laughs) Um, Byron Cole is a motherfucking beast. Listen, that's it. That's all. Take it to the bank. Cash a check. Listen, you could get uh, credit. Is it credit? No, interest. Interest. (laughs) (laughs) You get interest on that because... uh, Byron Cole did that. When I tell you 7th Ward, he defended his land. He defended his block, his set, by confronting a white woman who had blocked the intersection, or the not the intersection, but just the street, yeah, the street. Um, where he lives, right, uh, in his neighborhood. He said that he had gotten calls because, you know, you the OG on the block? Mm-hmm. Who the first person you calling? The OG on the block. Right, right. Uh, and so that people, you know, called and said, hey, Someone's blocking our street. Mm-hmm. Like, I need you to go down there and figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's a group of white people mm-hmm. who um, are trying to shout out to them for trying to be COVID safe, jazz festing in place. <laughs> I think that is the mandate that TD said we need to be doing, right? And uh, yeah, but they didn't ask nobody. They didn't ask for a permit. They didn't. They took their personal car and blocked the street. Mm-hmm. Now. That may seem like a small offense to a lot of people, except for this is motherfucking native land. White people came here like, you know, no bad intentions. We just going to bring all this motherfucking disease to you and we just going to park it in place. We going to jazz fest. Probably not the same thing. But but, uh, so, you know, you draw these similarities because the privilege that you know, white people bring is, they're not going to ask. They're going to hide behind the good intentions. And they're going to be like, why are you confronting me on this? I'm doing the right thing. It's like, no, actually, you have all these black neighbors. You have all these neighbors that you didn't consider. Mm-hmm. Stop that. Right. You can't operate without, what did he say? Uh, like, that's it and that's all for operating, you know, in your white privilege. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do that anymore. Right, right. You know, yeah, like, sure. it, I think he said it's extinct. Right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Shout out to him. Anyways, we're going to play... Well, uh, oh. I think... Can we also talk about the fact that she parked her car there, then took construction cones to mm-hmm. make it seem as if... 
it what was she legit. was doing was legit and excusable. Like, come on, man. And then, you, nah, yeah. So, shout out to Byron. Shout out to his mama, where he got it from. Yeah. Hello, Mama D. <laughs> <laughs> we calling you into the room, Mama D. We calling you into the room. So. The giant of New Orleans, organizer, uh, civil rights activist, and just like thorough, all the way, real person. Trailblazer. And, yeah. Ancestor. Um, yeah. Shout out to her. Mm-hmm. Shout out to her son. Last thing I'm going to say is we had, uh, in that same video, you are going to see, listen, uh, how you do a warning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just white, this is the warning. You might get triggered by this shit. White men, I think it was two white men Mm -hmm. who were like dressed in full uh, fucking party central or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) party world uh, Indian regalia. Like, motherfucker, if you don't take that shit off... Get that shit off your face. Indigenous people. What? Like, right. There's nothing. <laughs> the gall. So, <laughs> right. And so anyway, we're gonna yeah. run the we're gonna run the audio. Um, we also gonna link the video, so check it out. And you know, let's start the conversation online. Anyway, yeah, make sure that's plugged in. I don't want any margaritas. I don't want any tacos. What I want is I want to be considered. Where are you from? How long you been here? Or you can just come shut my fucking street down and don't don't tell me you're having a party or nothing. This is my home and I would love Where are you from? This place. street ain't your home. Yeah, it is. Where are you from? I'm from here. You're not from this street. Yeah. I live in my great grandmother's house. You a fucking lie. Where are you really from? Now you're running. You want to talk to me? Talk to me. Where are you from? I'm trying to hang out with you. Where are you I from? If you come hang out with me Where are you first. from? Tell me that. You don't want to hang out with me. You don't want to answer yeah. to my Where were you raised? You weren't raised here. I was raised there. I know you weren't raised here. Be real with me if you really want to hang with me. Where are you from? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Now we can begin a basis of communication. I don't know where it'll go, but I'll calm down now. I would like you to calm down. But you didn't come like you wanted to be. See? I came. I walked. You came on a false premise. You're from here. I had to break you down from that. But you're really from Arkansas. Why weren't we notified you were going to shut our street down? I pay more property tax than anybody here. I can't get through here. It's a one-way, sweetie. Yeah, that's, yeah. I know your fucking sentiment, bitch. So now we can get straight to it, ho. Let's get straight to it, ho. Let's get straight to it, ho. I don't have no parties where I block the street, ho. What you talking about? Get the fuck out my face. Document that. Substantiate a party where I block the street, ho. Substantiate that, ho. You ain't fucking... My elderly neighbors are calling me talking about they can't get through. Look, fuck you, bitch. Fuck you, bitch. Your privilege is extinct here, ho. Your privilege is extinct here, ho. Get the fuck, bitch. Get the fuck, ho. We ain't asking you shit, bitch. I know they got laws and rules, bitch. Laws and rules, bitch. Laws and rules, ho. Laws and rules, ho. If I block the street by your house to have all black block party, you to call the police too, bitch. Fuck you, ho. Fuck you. I know, bitch. They would have had all them black people in jail if they was black. If we'd have went and had a block party in front of they fucking house and shut down they fucking street with no authority. Let's go. New Orleans was happening. Y'all could get hyped about a fucking Super Bowl, but you can't protect your own. Let me call the commander back. And so shout out to him for, uh, you know, just everything that happened. A lot of people have been like criticizing, you know, everybody on uh, face. This is the Facebook conversation oh, yeah, with all yeah. the older folks. Uh in the comments, uh, and everybody on IG talking about this could have been done a different way, but I don't know. Thoughts? I mean, honestly, I feel however you, the only who's to say there's a, a right way to confront someone with you know their systemic racism, the gentrification going on, and quite frankly, black and brown people are tired of trying to do things the right way. There is no right way. Now it's like, hey, what is the right fuck way? You hear right. me out. Like, I'm tired of this. Everywhere, everywhere, which angle we turn, there's something going home. on. Like, for real. 
Yeah, but you know, you see it all across the country and people are just tired. So I I, I commend this brother for speaking up, recording it. Um, yeah. Just he says substantiate. Right, substantiate, you know? <laughs> that I had an unpermitted party. Um, and so- what, what I found interesting, though, she had the audacity to say she's trying to protect and, and look out for her kids. Ma'am, you walked back to your car and bent over and pulled your, your skirt up. What? Right. You really trying to protect their eyes? Like, don't nobody want to see that? So, yeah, it was really well, she interesting. she said, I mean, that might be a sexist comment. Now, I Joseph, mean, but I hear you, said, but what I'm trying body, to say. my body. And, and true, <laughs> it is her body. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you on some respectability shit yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't want my kids to hear this. Right, and that's what I'm Be on some respectability exactly. shit with, I don't want my kids to see this, exactly. right? And so I think that's, yeah, that's you know, exactly I might have just at. saved you on, uh, in the comments. Yeah, you know, <laughs> from the uh from the squad from the police who's always checking to see if we're on point with our values and uh how we say we're gonna move yeah but yeah i just really respect that um he's defending like why do we have to have a certain way uh, you know i know michelle obama said when they go low we go high mm-hmm. but no fuck that i'll be yeah. wanting to drag I'm tired of going high sometimes Sometimes. Yeah, I'm gonna go low too. I want to go lower. Oh no, lower. and I'm a I'm a drag. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I just think fundamentally, you know, uh, white people have to check their privilege, mm-hmm. yeah. and you're either going. He was just like, yeah, you don't want a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. You didn't even tell me the real. Where right. are you from? I, they're right. You know, That's you're coming on a false premise. Exactly. And so, um, it would have been completely different had she come down. Hey. I want to throw a little house party for my kids and their friends. How do you feel about me closing off the street? Or like, I don't, you know, I'm not familiar with this neighborhood. I just moved in. Here's a peace offering. What have you. I think anytime you're going into a new space, you have to do your research, but you also have to do some building. Because you Well, don't she's know talking about she paid property taxes. And so that gives her the authority. But, um, but I think, you know, in the very beginning, like within the first 30 seconds of the video... What Bruh specifically said is, I want to be considered. Right. Man, something so basic and so fundamental. And I think it was the same thing with the Joe Budden thing, right? Uh, They were like, man, if you're going to ask Rory to stay home, I want to be considered in that decision. Mm -hmm. And so uh, something so fundamental, something so basic can blow up in your face. Uh, And so, uh, you know, both on an individual level and on a systemic level, when we're talking about gentrification and space and land, you're on notice, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's a part of what we have to practice, continually practice, which is, man, let's just try and reduce harm and try and show up and slow down Mm -hmm. to like really be there for one another. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The shout girl. out to right. Shout out to uh, Byron Cole. I hear he's uh, la- that was the launch of his campaign. Let's go. <laughs> Send right. that act blue, brother. We gonna donate. <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, we are going to have. Uh, uh, so let me just be clear. The Black and Brown Get Down podcast. Uh, the dinner. The, the huge dinner we have once a year the playlist, anything that is by, it's just basically for me and my friends. So (laughs) all episodes, all my friends have been on. Uh, Plot twist, all my friends are my best friends. (laughs) One of my my best friends will be joining us, uh, Dr. David Wallace. Um, And yes, your Morehouse brother. Morehouse College. You got more to say? Nah, that's it. That's Nothing it. else needs to be said. I mean, that's it. It stands alone. It, it, it stands alone. All right. You already listen. know what we <laughs> Come on. Listen, my best friend. Shout out to <laughs> soon to be Dr. Jamil Lacey. Hey. Uh yep, he's finishing his first year at UCLA Med School. Uh on a full ride, brother. We love you and we're thinking about you. Uh Morehouse, mm-hmm. you know. And Shout out to the noobs. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Yo, Listen, yo. <laughs> um, and I have, I sold all his best friends. So yeah. <laughs> here's Joe. <laughs> um, all right. And uh, now we're on to Black Love, Brown Pride. Um, again, 
all my best friends come on the show. <laughs> so <laughs> please welcome Dr. David Wallace. Dr. David Wallace is our guest for today. He is the Dean of Relay Graduate School um, of Education and the founder and principal consultant at Awakening Minds, a native of Florida. Um, David spent his younger years learning lessons from his grandfather in exchange for reading lessons. And now in life, he has made a commitment to social justice and eradicating the opportunity gap so that no child would be robbed of the chance to learn to read like his grandfather. But in addition to this incredible work in education, David is a practitioner of the Yoruba tradition. And for all of you who don't know what uh, practicing in Yoruba tradition is, you know, it's from West Africa. And it's really about uh, the spirituality and about connecting with your ancestors. And so we're excited to talk to him today. Please welcome my good friend, Dr. David Wallace. Let's go. I am honored to be in this space. Listen, we are honored to have you here. Why is for- that? Well, because <laughs> let me come on, why is that? <laughs> let me get upright for you, Dr. David Wallace. Why is that? Because every time I come to you, I was just saying that this is the show of all of my best friends, but uh, because every time I come for you, you have a word that's not only um, like gonna always flourish, mm. right? But it's always going to have both the uh, the real challenge mm. that I have going on. And, like, my highest self involved. Mm. And so, you know, I fucks with you in a long way. Mm. And um, I just think it's it's so important to have friends around you who are going to speak life, who have friends uh, around you. Spirit. I was just about to say... You want to speak life into me and build some confidence of, you know, this. Listen, and it is what we do with each other. Listen, you, I mean, first of all, everything you touch is gold. And so let's get into that. That's actually, as you brought the gold to us. Touch my wallet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) For real. Listen, everything that you touch turns into gold. And so, um, you know, you are blessing the podcast. The space is here, but really it's about, um, you know, sewing into all the black and brown people who listen to this podcast, who Mm. need the word, who need to understand um, just the power of uh, all the work you do, not just on the educational side, but then also on the spiritual side, right? Mm -hmm. What it means to be connected to the ancestors, Mm -hmm. what it means to be connected to uh, like for me, I know what saved my life mm. was uh, knowledge of self, mm. right? I, I didn't understand my issues that my parents were having and that my brother was having and that the people around me were having as issues. I understood it in the more systemic, as you have these big systemic issues that are yeah. impacting you, you also have something much more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is the power and strength of your ancestors mm-hmm. and the people who came that's before right. them and the people who that's came before right. them. Yes. And so that's what we want to get into yes. today. I'm you know, uh, mm-hmm. you are the um, founder and principal consultant of Awakening Minds. Just give us a little bit of that, but we're going to quickly, quickly transition into the spirit work because that is what the people need to hear. Well, that's mm-hmm. what they knocking on the door for right now. And so talk to us about Awakening Minds. Yeah, so Awakening Minds, I consider myself a conscious culture curator. Mm -hmm. And so I get to work with different organizations that are in a space of reflection about their organizational culture. And they're in a space of reflection about how to push the envelope as it relates to DEI and anti-racism to the next level. But before we get into the spiritual, the founding of Awakening Minds is actually based off of the spiritual. And so I say to my grandfather, James Torrance Sr., he is the reason why Awakening Minds became a thing. After he transitioned to cancer, um, I, was, I fell into a depression. I was deeply saddened by him leaving the earth. But I had to think about what could I do that would do something good for the world, that would plant his energy back into the world, And I thought about how he always gave himself to people. So he had a small garden in his backyard. He grew collard greens and scallion onions. And people would come to my grandparents' house like every weekend uh, to get fresh greens and Mm. fresh onions and tomatoes. And his only form of payment was for them to sit on the porch and talk about their dreams and aspirations. He never had an opportunity to get an education. He actually was forced out of school in the sixth grade. Um, So he didn't know how to read. But he was with it. He 
had the street smart. He also had that spiritual foundation. And so he awakened many minds. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the name Awakening Minds, it is because of him. Um, I owe the name of Awakening Minds because of him, because I saw him moving in these spaces, not allowing systemic racism to be a barrier for him being able to help the people. And I think that he was brought to this earth to awaken minds. And so I'm trying to live out his legacy through Awakening Minds. Well. That's deep. I mean, do we need to get into the other questions? We can press stop right now. And then also, while you're pressing stop on this table, let's go easy on the table because I think you can hear it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I was definitely in right. the were, Yeah. I mean, because you know, I you still had Sweetie's spirit on you. I mean, I'm trying to tap in. Like, you know, let me get another. Right, right. I'll get another. Get into your floating levitation. Um, Okay, so um, uh, when did you first discover Yoruba? Excuse me, Yoruba. Yoruba. Well, that's okay. That's okay. It's, it's done in love. It's all Yoruba. good. Yeah. Yoruba. But no, you no, know no, what? No, it's no. tomato, tomato. No, 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 it's not. It, no, it really no. is, though. Okay. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fact. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, say it one more time. Yoruba. Yoruba. Yeah. Thank you. All right. When Some people say first... Yoruba. Some people say Yoruba. Some people say Yoruba. However, you want to roll it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, God. God. How you gonna give me all these options? In this diasporic living, I don't know which option to go with. I mean, but you know, like people get hung up on like the pronunciation. You know what you're talking about, my brother. Appreciate it. So, when did you first discover Yoruba traditions, and when did you realize you were called to serve? Really great question. So, the Yoruba practices and traditions is actually part of my family lineage. Okay, and so my great great grandfather. Martin Kendrick was a healer, a spiritualist, and he healed people. He performed ceremonies uh, that would help people overcome barriers that they were experiencing in life. Mm-hmm. He would also sit down and read people. And when I say read people, he could see through them, almost look at their soul okay. and give them guidance on what they need to do to put them off of the path of Oksobo, which is like destruction and demise, and living in the path of Iray, which is peace and blessings. And so this passed down through my family lineage some of my family members decided to divorce themselves of that spiritual practice. Okay. And as a kid, I was always told that I looked like him, I act like him. And I remember growing up and I would have dreams about people and those things would come true. Or I would be in a space and get a thought about somebody and say it out loud and people would say, oh my God, Like, how did you know that? And my mom, she always knew, she practiced, and she started to hone that energy. And I would say, um, the thing that really got me back to the foundation was when I was in high school and going to college, I went through a depression and nobody knew it. Mm-hmm. I went through a depression because my father chose to disown me because of my sexuality. Okay. And as his only American-born son... The rest of my brothers are Jamaican. I have a sister, Jamaican. It, it it tore me apart. It was like the only thing that I had ever wanted in life was that acceptance from him. And you couldn't touch me with the grades in school. Like, I was always good at shit. So, like, I was easy. It was easy for me to hide it. Like, I was good at masking uh, my feelings. But I also engaged heavily with alcohol. And I also was going out every other night. Sorry, I'm tapping on the table. <laughs> but I was going out like every other night. And then I was also just like angry. Like mm. I have gotten into fights at Lennox Mall and like for stupid shit mm. or gotten into fights at clubs for stupid shit. And I didn't really know why I was acting out. But I would say um, 2014 really changed my life. Okay. Um, and... I'm not going to speak about 2014 because that's going to be in my memoir. So you got to hold on for that. But <laughs> what go. I will say, <laughs> what I we'll, will link say we'll link it. We'll link it. We'll link it when it drops. <laughs> but what I will say is that um, I almost got slapped in the face. It felt like my world was about to fall apart. And that's when I knew I needed to like return back to the foundation. Okay. Um, and so. I would say 2014 is where I really started to make that change spiritually and started to hone my craft, started to meditate. I remember taking this psychology of meditation class at Spelman 
Uh, I went to Morehouse, but you know, we could cross register. And bro, I was just like captivated about meditation. And I started to meditate and then I started to be awakened. I started to be awakened and started to think about like, what do I need to do to bring myself back closer to my spirituality? And I think also my grandfather transitioning. What are your earliest memories of community? Right. So that's how you were called to serve. Mm. But what were your earliest memories of community? And that's actually what at the Black and Brown Get Down, mm-hmm. it is all about that. Right. It's all about building coalition between black and brown people. It's all about building community. Right. And um, and often how we build community is based off of how our earliest memories of community. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what we need to do is create space, have land where we can come back to self, right? Where we can come back to this place of building community and doing it in a way that doesn't harm folks, right? Doing it in a way that um, can really, uh, where we can operate in the values mm-hmm. and in the uh, way that we know is uh, is for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we're operating in capitalism, if we're operating in misogyny and patriarchy, we know that shit don't serve us, yeah. you know? When's the first time you felt community? I'm going to talk about the like most like pivotal moment. I would say freshman year at Morehouse. Listen, um, and I was just about to say, most of us don't experience community until we get to college or until yeah. we get to this place, right, where we've been to an HBCU or whatever it is, yeah. right? Um, and, and so, I, yes, that's yes. why I'm saying we can't get to 18 and that's the first time we're experiencing community. And so I want to hear about mm. this experience. But really, what I want to do is really make sure that all those values of when you experience that, that we can get our young people, right, yeah. at the age of three, at the age of one, you know, as they're in the womb, at five, at seven, mm. where they can experience this deep community so that we don't have to have all of this time without us actually feeling like we belong. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, what we really want is connection and belonging. That is very true. I will say that, like, I always felt a sense of community and home and peace with my immediate family, with my mother, my little brother, my little sister, um, and my grandparents. But I would say when I got to Morehouse, at first I struggled because I was like, oh, this is like a cultural shock. Um, I'm not going to talk about like the way the guys lived in the dorm and all that. But, you know, I'm a clean freak. So that was like a cultural <laughs> shock for me. But the sense of community. <laughs> what dorm did you stay? Brazil Hall. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. B-Row, you know. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. What, what about you? Huber. Oh. Huber Hall. Okay, in the quads. Yeah. Y'all were a little different. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like different breeds of guys like that stayed in specific yeah, dorms yeah. around Morehouse. You know, you got the graves, folks. Well, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I think that's where Jamil stayed, huh? Yeah. 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 Right, right, right. <laughs> that was my best but friend. But nonetheless, <laughs> that's much, and there was light. So yes, and there was light. light. <laughs> um, I think when I got to Morehouse... I saw other guys that looked like me, uh, but also had very similar experiences that I did. So I immediately amassed a huge amount of friends freshman year, not only freshmen, but like upperclassmen who were like, yo, these are things that you need to be looking out for. Like, let me show you the way. You got to realize I'm moving from small town Belglade to the big city of Atlanta. And I was just like, oh my God, like I feel free, but also... You need to be careful. So I felt that first sense of community uh, freshman year because I saw guys that were more free than, like, they were freer than I was. Um, I had a homie that, like, Freedom came. Freedom is attractive, huh? Right. Yeah. I got a homie that came from, like, L.A., and he had, like, a whole YouTube series. Like, people knew who he was, and mm-hmm. he was just, like, free with his sexuality. And I think that that was something that was important uh, for me to find that sense of community freshman year. Um, and I would say engaging in conversations about um, oppression and how sometimes our own family members have contributed to oppression or uh, have attributed or um, inflicted harm and trauma uh, on us because of like the things that they say about you. Like one of my uncles called me a sissy when I was a kid and he don't know that that shit still stick to me today. That's why I look at that nigga sideways. Oh, can we say that word? Yeah. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. But you know. <laughs> this is a free podcast, brother. <laughs> this is for black and brown people. 
we just are because you know some people be like, oh, he's a scholar and he used the word nigga, and I'm just like, you know, that's yeah. But anyway, we are complete people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I would say freshman year, like, yeah, we found that community and we bonded over trauma. Mm. We bonded over trauma. We went around and shared our stories, and I was just like, yo, it's other people who are out here. I'm number one thankful because my mother has always accepted me for who I was. Yes. But I had friends who had like been put out the house at 16 and mm-hmm. shit. And like friends that were like just at, at Morehouse by themselves. Like they didn't have any parental support and financial support. And so it made me really appreciate my story, even though my story isn't like a walk in the park. It made me appreciate my story, but it also made me like. I develop a different perspective about people. Like black people are definitely not a monolith. And I I was able to cement that at Morehouse because you're in a sea of black men, mm. but the diversity is so great. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Ah, I mean, yeah. I, I guess I, you know, I'm curious about the role spirituality and mm. specifically like how that uh, looks like in your life now and what that looked like. Uh, you know, although main like what that looked like then, yeah. Um, because it is uh, truly uh, what I see in you now, what mm-hmm. I feel with you every day. But I'm just wondering, like at that very defining moment, um, you know, what role did it play for you? Yeah, I would say I was running away from my spirituality at Morehouse, and so because I was running away from the spirituality, I engaged in uh, <laughs> shit like a lot of parties and just like. Turn it up and like literally covering every corner of Atlanta, like I was there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's a runner, she's a track star. <laughs> right. Definitely on some track star <laughs> shit. <laughs> it, it, it's so easy to get lost in Atlanta, like, oh my God. Um, but people that got cars, like yeah, yeah, and I actually had my car freshman year. Oh, you know, freshmen weren't allowed to have cars, yeah. but my god brother went to Morehouse, so he told me, you know, you get the parking uh, spot from the church parking lot by Morehouse, uh, good to go. So, yeah. oh, that that still might be a plug. Huh? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm trying to uh, censor to not spill too much of my tea. <laughs> 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 but what I will say is that um, I ran, but I was still very much so like connected to praying to my ancestors and to the Orishas, but I just wasn't really doing what I was supposed to do. Like I would still fly to Miami and go to my Ile, my godmom, see my Iya, um, my spiritual godmother and get readings. And she would tell me about like, you're traveling down a path that's not great right now. She was like, you think you know it all because you were at Morehouse. But this is what's going to happen to you if you keep doing these things. And so going back to what I said earlier about traveling on that path of Oksobo or E-Ray, when I was at Morehouse, I was going down that path of Oksobo. Like the the destruction, the demise, like just not giving a fuck. While you were in your winning season because... You were getting all the grades. You were yeah. doing all the things. I was doing great shit. I went to yeah. Egypt for twenty days. And how did you know like, you were you you were in your destruction? Because I wasn't happy. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's it's something that you feel on the inside. Mm. You wake up in the morning and you feel empty, and you feel soulless, and you feel sad. Like I said, I could mask it really easily. So. I had all the friends. Like, we were out turning up. And that is not me, like, to the core. And people always thought that I was, like, this socialite. Or I'm a Gemini, so, you know, I can, like, turn it on and I can turn it off. But I'm at peace when I have it turned off. And I had it turned on, I would say, all four years Mm -hmm. at Morehouse, just, like, cutting up. Um, And that was my idea of being rebellious. That was my idea of I know I'm smart, so I don't really have to study but there's no reason for me to make it, be making a B minus or a C at Morehouse. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for me to do that. Yeah. Then I go and get my doctorate and clear a three point like eight nine. Like you know, I graduate with a four from high school, go to Morehouse, not really applying myself like I'm supposed to apply myself. Um, I'm just wondering. So 
Because one thing that I have clearly learned from you and that is actually an intention of mine in this season is, man, I have got to, as much as I know about my people, as much as I know about my parents and their, you know, um, their story, uh, it is critical for my existence for me to understand my ancestors' story. Mm-hmm. It is critical for my existence to understand, to know their names, yeah. to know you know the different choices that they made um, in their life because it all rolls down to why I'm here, yeah. right? And my purpose work. And so, uh, just curious to know more about just you know how do you connect to the ancestors, mm. right? And I know that's a big part of the Yoruba tradition, yeah. right? Um, and it's a big part of um, when we're thinking about, and we always say, oh, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And when we do libation, we're really usually yeah. just talking about our grandparents. Yeah, we're not talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking, talking about, about all the, right, the yeah. lineage, right? <laughs> what came before and what came before and what came before. Right. And for many of us, like if your grandparents, I mean, you know, um, like no shade to my grandparents, but if they didn't do anything that mm. was, or if you haven't heard the stories where they did all of the things of what you just described your yeah. grandfather doing, right? Having people sit on their porch, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you haven't heard their stories because it's clouded with your parents' trauma, yeah. right? Of like, they disowned me or whatever it mm-hmm. is, right? Like, then you don't know the greatness that you come from, being, mm-hmm. right? Because many things can exist at the same time, yep. right? We just talked about that with DMX. And... um and so, yeah, what, like, how do we connect? Yeah, I think that two thoughts. First is that we have to realize that our conscious is actually our soul that's speaking to us. That's the gateway to God and the ancestors. And oftentimes when you can become more connected to that soul or that spirit through meditation. And so one of the practices that I do every day and every morning as I meditate, every morning I wake up, it's the first thing that I do. I say, yo, Alexa, turn on some meditation music. Or I got this little app that I turn on and I meditate and I sit and I listen and I envision what life is going to be like for me. And then I allow myself to make that happen. But I think about the, the second thing I want to name is... <clears throat> I feel like the like the generations that are coming up is more so uh they don't actually care about the history like other generations did. And when I say the history, those oral traditions, mm-hmm. um, those stories of when grandma used to cook in the kitchen for two days preparing for Thanksgiving. Like I just feel like we are getting away from some of the traditions that made us who we are, um, particularly how we survived the trauma when our ancestors were enslaved. Um, and if we don't hone that, we'll lose sight of it. Mm. And so I think it's really important that you have those conversations with the elders in your life and ask them, yo, who, where did you come from? Uh, who was your mama? Who was your grandpa? Like what was important in terms of family values and principles? My uncle Roosevelt, um, actually taught me a lot about my spiritual practice and history because he would sit and he, I remember every time, every time I would see him, I would go visit him in Georgia. He would have tears in his eyes, mm. and he would say, "You remind me of Papa Martin Kendrick, mm. which was his grandfather." And he said, "I look like him, I act like him, I talk like him," and we just start to like give me the oral history of like the family lineage, particularly with the Yoruba practices the worshiping our ancestors, giving thanks and praise to our ancestors, uh, being able to to divine, being able to work with the Orisha's energy. I started to learn more about that history practice. And then, you know, combining that with my (laughs) spiritual godmama, everything just like sort of fell into place and it made sense. And that may feel, I know Joe got a question, but that may feel, because what you just said was, <laughs> again, <laughs> <Not now. laughs> right. we Hold talked on. about Joe Budden. I, that might be why I don't like his ass. <laughs> but no, listen, because a lot of people just may not feel that practice, it, uh, worshiping our ancestors, 
they like that's so foreign to yeah. like the very dominant kind of Christian Catholic, you know, Catholicism mm-hmm. uh, that we've understood or that we came up in, right? Yeah. And so, like, I guess it's like, why worship our ancestors? Listen, because sometimes they be fighting battles that you're engaging in that you don't even know you're engaging in. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I'll be in the house and, you know, I. <laughs> You know what my job is. So, you know, I deal with a lot, particularly across lines of difference. And I'm sometimes in the house and I'm like, what the fuck is that smell? It's the most awful smelling shaving cream powder I've ever smelled. Mm. But sometimes it'll come across my nose. And I say, there ain't nobody but my grandpa. He in here right now. And he's telling me that what you are worried about right now, let that go. Like, Mm. don't worry about that. And so I think that we can all tap into our ancestral energy and spirit. Um, You just have to call their name. But then you also have to reevaluate what you believe as it relates to, do you believe in the heaven and hell? Do you believe that people go to like this holding pattern, which I think a lot of people say, um, when you die, or do you believe that you enter like a different dimension and that you're still here on earth with us, but in a different realm? When you're speaking about the traditions um, and the practices, yeah. how prevalent are, are they in the spaces that you have found yourself in mm-hmm. throughout your journey? And then along with that, do you think, you, t- you talked about the youth. Do you yeah. think they have the capacity where we live in America in a, in a space where, you know, they're taught other to go about things a different way? You know, you mentioned yeah. that things are lost. A lot of that also has to do with social media. So do yeah. you feel like we have they have the capacity? I do, because I also think that we have to be innovative in our thinking and practices. Mm-hmm. So the reality is the way that I practice and work with my Arisha and the ancestor is not the way that they did in Yoruba, which is present-day Nigeria and Benin. So, like, I think that things evolve. Like, Ifa, Santeria, Kundamble, Lukami, all of those, like, spiritual practices are very different but similar in it. And I think that if you accept that the energies that manifest on this earth are the beyond our imagination and that you can actually cultivate that energy and hone it into something great, if you accept that, then I think you can put yourself on that path of spiritual enlightenment. And I think that that is possible for anybody, young, old, newborn. In my spiritual elay, we got we got kids in high school. We got kids in elementary school. I mean, my, my little sister is like, she's learning. Mm. She's learning the way. Um, and I'm really excited. I just found out that she is a child of Shango, and so am I. And so... You know, that is just like that deeper connection mm. that we have because it's not only we have that ancestral protection, but the same Orisha guards our heads. And so, you know, it's about if you're willing to accept that, mm. then I think you could put yourself on that path. And I also want to name that I think religion is beautiful. I talk to Mary all the time about how I just be sitting on the TV watching all types of documentaries about all different religions because I think it's this idea that people need something to believe in Mm. um, in order to, I think, help them find a purpose in life. Absolutely. And whatever religious practices that you ascribe to, I think at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, am I walking on this earth with a purpose Am I like practicing in a moral and ethical way? Do I have a set of principles and values that I live by? And am I doing good for the world? Mm-hmm. And if you can answer yes to all of those questions, then may God bless you. Popping. Poppin'. Thank you for that. <laughs> you <know my> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we this conversation is bananas. It's it's beautiful and I know uh, a part of the reason why we, you know, make so much is just understanding the like divine feminine energy that rolls through your life. And, you know, that is constantly within us. Right. And that's just such a contrast to the extreme patriarchy that we live in this world. And I know that um, the Yoruba tradition has very much so that that is a part of it. And so Mm. I'd love to just know about the women in your life. 
Yeah, I mean, I got to start with my mom. Mm. Samantha, the queen. The queen. She goes That is queen. my lady, yes. Yeah, that's my lady, too. My mom, um, I know you see me smiling because uh, <laughs> when I talk about her, uh, she lights up my world because I saw someone that sacrificed so much for my brother and I, and then when my sister came along for us to have. Um, and I think that she was the first person that I could call like a warrior on earth. Um, and she went above and beyond to protect me, my identity, mm. my sexuality. Mm-hmm. When people said shit, she got them together. Very yeah. much so. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> and she would tell me, my mom would say things to me when I was a kid, like, you're a king, hold your head up. Don't let nobody tell you. Don't let nobody call you no sissy. Don't let nobody call you a fag. Fuck them. You're a king. The only thing I want you to do is go to school and get these good grades, bring me them A's, and you, baby. You, you, when I tell you, you live like a king. <laughs> Listen, I have everybody can't go to your house, but when I tell you, he lives like a king. He lives like a king. So, King, talk to us. <laughs> but no, I, was like, I think like I would say, my mom, my spiritual godmom. Uh, she's important. I would say Yamaja, the Orisha. I was born from Yamaja's energy. Um, and she does a lot in my world. My grandma. Tell us about Yamaya. Yamaya, Yamaja. She is the queen of the Orisha. She's the mother of the Orisha. She gives birth to the world, the life. And and I think that So that's not Oya. I thought Oya no. and Shango were No, 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 no. So let me be clear. I am born of Shango. Shango has my yeah, head, yeah. but Oya, who is the female warrior, that's my mother. Got it. But okay. my spiritual godmother, her head, Yemanja has her head. Got it. And so when I was initiated, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, got yeah, it, yeah, got it. We get into my yeah. initiation. Yeah, now, yeah, my but. bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't trying to uh, get into. No, 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 I wasn't it's trying to violate, but I was no, trying no, no. to understand because. You know, when I, I obviously I, I know a little bit about yeah. the Orishas, but yeah. um, and understanding my own energy and mm. where it comes from, but I didn't understand because I'm I'm, I'm not yeah. I still am studying and trying to understand like what is the actual structure, and so mm-hmm. that was that clarifying question. Not no, trying to violate. This, <laughs> it's all trying good. to say within uh, within <laughs> and mind the business that pays me. <laughs> um, it's the boundaries for me. <laughs> Listen, boundaries are so important. And uh, we are setting them and living them and doing all of that in real time, in real life. And that is what we love about uh, this space that we're creating here is that uh, we're getting to learn. But also, as we learn, there is a discipline to learning. And so I want to respect that and want to make sure that we all are, um, you know, aligned with that. And so. Yeah, but one thing I do want to say, I think that women are so important. And oftentimes undervalued. Mm. And so the women that are in my life, I hold them up to the pedestal. I hold it uh, on the pedestal. I hold them up and encourage them to keep their crowns on uh, because I think in turn they do a lot to, for me. And I also know that there's a lot of feminine energy as it relates to the ancestors mm. that surrounds me. So I'm always gravitating to those women who I see that are sort of like, dominant and warriors. Um, and I mean, it's no surprise because Oya is my mom. And so when I see those women that are just like ruling the world, I gravitate to them. That's why we gravitated. Y'all don't know when me and Mary met. Uh, we said we was going to be friends for life like in in like 10 or 15 yeah, minutes after meeting. Yeah, it was like kind of sure. crazy. It was like, yo, I fucks with your energy. <laughs> Shout out to the Urban League holiday party. <laughs> Shout out with that hot pink outfit you had <laughs> that on. Hot pink yes, outfit. that shit was rocking. Yes. I still remember your outfit. I don't know what I had on, but I remember what you had on. <laughs> I had a um a, a burgundy, <laughs> like a maroon burgundy polka dot slip dress, and I had on a pink um <laughs> a pink uh, leather. leather jacket. Yeah, leather. Uh, okay. Don't, don't okay. forget yes. the leather. <laughs> yes. I was like, yes. okay. <laughs> she was given. Uh, you see me. You see she me. Yes, she yes. stood out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know what? Okay. <laughs> and it's so funny because she stood out. That energy stood out and like instantly gravitated towards it. She's asking really thoughtful and provoking questions to force me to think. 
and think about how I'm going to move in this new city. And then, you know, at the end of the conversation, we was like, great. So we're getting brunch. Right. Sunday. <laughs> we're right. getting brunch on Sunday and we got brunch. Yeah. <laughs> and that shit was bomb as fuck. Uh, we love you and we're so excited uh, to have you here. And we know that this podcast, this episode is going to touch and bless and amplify all of the things that you're trying to do and that mm. we're trying to do in this um, in this place. And so thank you so much. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is be on the lookout for my book that's dropping. Yes. Yes. 2022. Yes. And we're not just like, I mean, and shout out to everyone who does self-publishing. But we have no actual real book. <laughs> Um, no, the I'm just saying. Shade. You know, I'm because people who do self-publishing, they actually. Um, you think you make more yeah, money self-publishing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I low so key like, want to self-publish my I'm memoir. Saying, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me correct myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get what These you mean. These got to me. Yeah, it's um, a contract. <laughs> it's yes, a contract. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It's an actual thing happening. And so, thank you again, Dr. David Wallace. <laughs> and okay. Run it. Cool. So the juice. So this is our segment where we highlight someone doing great work. Um, who better to highlight than a fallen soldier, a now ancestor, Dark Man X, Earl Simmons? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about y'all. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about y'all, but I thought I was a rough rider in middle school. I was like, hey, we with it. Where my dog's at? <laughs> But um yeah, I wanted to just share something real quick. Um, so yeah, I'm just go at it. Get into something it. I thought about, you know, what? transition you over here. No, it's not a poem, but Let you know, like out. DMX really meant a lot you to me. Like, word, my guy. You know what I mean? like, when I was young, I was like, okay, this brother is speaking it now. He talked about some wild, some wild stuff, but you respected it. You respected his passion and whatnot. And I always loved the fact that he he consistently tried to tie it back to his relationship with God. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I wrote something on the way over here. So I'm just sharing with y'all. Sure. Cool. Bad. So I used to sneak and listen to It's Dark and Hell is Hot with friends at school and at home on the computer. But in the eighth grade, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood was the first explicit album my parents let me purchase. And as I listened to that CD, it was nonstop. The genuineness, the storytelling, the passion, the jams, the fun, and the lessons from his journey of trying to make it amidst life struggles is really what I admired about DMX. He was real, like real, real. He was not perfect, but had the will to strive to be better, not just for that day, but for his continuing journey. He had a great sense of compassion and consistently prayed to God despite his troubles. I wish more people took the time out to give him the compassion that he deserved. Mm. People really judged him every time he slipped and fell, even in the most recent challenge that subsequently led to his transition. I can't imagine what life must have felt like battling demons and or addiction since he was tricked into drugs at the age of 14, which is something a lot of people don't understand. Like, think about that. 14 years old, you're tricked into drugs, which led to a lifelong journey trying to battle addiction. Um, but yeah, in spite of the hate, in spite of the struggles and the questionable decisions, he went on to do something amazing for himself opened doors up for others, served as an example, and most importantly, encouraged a lot of people to seek God and start, you know, embarking on that journey. Um, how could you not continue to root for DMX? I, I really feel for his family and his friends. Uh, moreover, um, you know... Not the moreover. Come on, moreover. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's a major loss for the world, but moreover, an even greater one for his children. But he gets to rest now and be one with God, free yeah. from his pain, addiction, and demons. Yeah. He accomplished a lot in his 50 years and is truly admirable. I'm glad I grew up witnessing some of it. All dogs go to heaven. Long live DMX. Long lived. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I love that. Bro, I did not know that uh, he started battling with addiction at 14. 14. Yeah. I actually tell this story and, you know, shout out to my brother. Um that's actually how my brother came into his addiction mm. is that at like 14 or so, uh, someone gave him not weed, but weed that was lace. lace yeah. And when yeah, I tell you common. to this day, this is yeah. something that he struggles with, right? His addiction mm -hmm. while he's trying to, you know, make sure that he lives free every mm -hmm. day. He, he, you know, very regularly and often loses his shit to, right. yeah. to drugs. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, 
And, and you so, think about the PTSD. Yes. Like, it, it really is a mental health issue. Yes. So a lot of people see somebody, oh, that person's addicted. But hey, take a step back and, 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 and try to, you know, do some research on how they got that way. You know what I'm saying? And stop looking down on people because we all got struggles. It's some stuff you addicted to. It's yeah. some stuff I'm addicted to. Yeah. He just and happens to be dark, addicted to this. This dark energy that you're talking about, right? And like, that's actually what I love so much is he presses towards his divinity, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. As he's dealing with all this darkness. Absolutely. As he's dealing with all these demons, right? Right, right. And... Uh, he's a prophet. And while, right. Yeah, and while yeah. he's uh, making great music and while he's creating, Right. And so that's mm-hmm. the dopest shit to me mm-hmm. because uh, you have a real example of, you know, as someone who grew up in the church, you mm-hmm. have a real example of someone who is uh, really grappling and wrestling with their demons daily. And anybody who For he's just doing it see. in public. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. anyone who um, who just can't understand that. And I think that's why people like me, people like you are so drawn to DMX because. Uh, he allowed us to feel some sort of sense of, okay, that shit is normal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's normal to actually battle with all these things and to still consider yourself a child of God, mm-hmm. to still consider yourself, like, chosen, mm-hmm. right? To c- still know that you're talented and all of these things can exist mm-hmm. in real, like, at the same time. And it's okay, right? right. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, he is resting and mm-hmm. uh, we are super grateful for his spirit mm-hmm. And his journey, uh, his journey, the yes, lessons. yeah, yes, sure. and uh, so but I, I mean, to be honest with you, the man had all them kids. I'm looking forward to what they do, mm, you know, come how on, legacy, they carry his legacy, Talk on, to right? Us. Like, man, it's gonna be amazing. A couple years, so I'm gonna watch, yeah, I'm hey. here, let's go. And now we're gonna bring back my Morehouse brother, hey, let's go, my Morehouse brother. <laughs> Dr. David Wallace for the Rising Ritual. Uh, so our Rising Ritual is one of the biggest things is like, man, we're so ahistorical to yeah. your point, right? Uh, and we forget shit. Yeah. My coping mechanism is to forget all the things, right? Mm. Shit, I forgot. I don't know. I mm. forgot. Um, and so this space is all about remembering. Yeah. Remembering who we are, remembering how we actually move in this place right mm. and uh you know about creation so just like we have rituals that have been passed down and passed yeah. down to your point we are expansive and we know that it is about creating yeah. and we can create in this moment rituals that mm. our great grands mm. are going mm. to uh practice and so you know uh the rising ritual is really just about us you know figuring out like what are what are traditions practices rituals that serve us and that serve us in such a way that will help us remember who we are. Uh, so will you lead us through a rising ritual? Mm. I'll give you the ancestral starter kit. Dímelo. <laughs> so I think that if anyone is wanting to connect more with their um, ancestral energy and spirits, I think one of the things you have to do is first accept that they are on earth with you, that their energies mm-hmm. are still around you, and then the second thing you can do is simply set up a shrine in your home. Um, and a shrine shrine would consist of either a small table or you could put it on the floor like I have. Um, elements that your ancestors loved and pictures of them. And you could set up a white candle and get some white flowers and just sit in that space and pray and talk to your ancestors And what you'll notice is the thoughts that start to come to you are actually their voices and their energy manifesting in you. And so that starter kit could consist of things that your grandmother particularly loved or things that you know that it was your grandfather's or possessions of theirs. Like on mine, I have my grandpa's wallet that I bought him from the first time I went to New York when I was in high school. I bought him an I Love New York wallet. And... That wallet is so worn down and tore up, but he would never get rid of that wallet because I brought it for him. Even though it was janky, when he transitioned, I took that and put it on the shrine that helps to manifest his energy. My grandmother brought uh, my brother and I Hess trucks every Christmas um, because that was her thing. And I had forgot all about Hess gas stations, but I ordered me a little Hess set. And it sits on the shrine because that manifests her energy. I also have her reading glasses and I have their obituaries and pictures 
there on that shrine and get you some sage, mm-hmm. light it up, clean that air, clean that energy, and ask God to allow their energies to manifest in your home and in your space. And you'll sleep like a king or queen at night because you'll just feel that you'll feel a sense of peace. And I think that's the starter kit um, for wanting to hone in on your ancestral energy and bring that energy into your home. Uh, when people visit my house, they'd be like, yo, it is a different feeling in here. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, well, you know. It's <laughs> and it's because there's a level of peace and tranquility that I have cultivated in that space yes. by inviting them into that space. Yes. And so, yeah, I would say that that's their starter kit if you really want to get on that journey of spiritual practices and being more connected to who we were and our ancestors. I shed to your spirit. <laughs> My God. Listen, I mean, we just gave the game away for free. And so go ahead, take it and, and practice it. And the only thing I'll just add is when you burn that sage, open a window because Yeah, yeah, you don't are, want to choke and yeah, and you need to let that energy out that might be in your house. Out. Yeah, yeah, because if you walking in your house and things just feel off, or you can't sleep through the night, or you like just like not great in your home, then you definitely need to open those windows and light that sage and ask God to take that negative energy out your space. Um, I mean, those are like simple practices that are cross cultural. Uh, cross cultures. That's not only like the Yoruba practices. Many people that believe in clearing their space mm-hmm. to create and manifest peace and tranquility. So I definitely think I recommend that to anyone who is interested in um, starting their journey of like spiritual practice. And I would say also go to the park or go sit by the lake or the beach and meditate in those spaces. You'll see how you start to become more connected with the earth. Yeah. And the land is our is a part of what fuels us, but also is our medicine. And so, mm. thank you for um, that. You're welcome. <laughs> there is no easy way to close out like a no. spiritual yeah. like yeah. 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 So, I, mean, I mean, I'm just gonna say because those are the Orishas that are like allowing these different blessings to manifest in my life. Thank you so much for listening to the Black and Brown Get Down. Uh, Subscribe and download uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please leave us a review and enjoy uh, the episode. Slide in our DMs. Not in mine. Uh, but the black, hey, the black Obar. Uh, right, right, right. Yes, yeah. Where can we find you? Where should the people find you? What you know? Talk to us. Yeah, my Instagram is the black Oba O B A O B I. I mean, Oba means king in Yoruba. So you can hit me up on Instagram, or you can visit my website www.awakeningminds.org to find out about all my consulting adventures. Um, yeah, try to find me. Yeah, that's what's up. Uh, so again, slide in uh, the Black Obas uh, DM or at the Black Girl Get Down. Um, if you have any questions or recommendations on a guest, uh, again, the space is here for all of my best friends. So uh, you could have a guest recommendation. Is that my bestie in the test? <laughs> is that my bestie? <laughs> Uh, and uh, again that is it that's all we love you peace